Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Jeff Harding and I'm filling in for Kyle Case who's out of town today. Joining me in studio is Michelle Graves. Recently passed, moved from our from our office to another office, but still great to come back. And how are you doing, Michelle? Great. Thanks for having me back. Haven't seen you for a while, but it's good to see you here. I know. I'm thrilled to be with you today, Jeff. Well, Michelle, did you know that heart attacks have secret warning signs or less known warning signs that uh, can hide in plain sight? I have heard that it could be called the secret killer. According to a 2016 study from the American Heart Association, 45% of all heart attacks in the United States are silent, meaning they don't come with the obvious or the expected symptoms. And so I've come up with, well, I found a list of five signs from different studies that are, that are kind of less known. So the first one is a hot flash. So even if you're a woman going through menopause, you should, be, you should automatically assume that those hot flashes are from the result of hormone, hormonal changes. In 2013, a Canadian study of 1,015 heart attack patients, approximately 45% of the men and 55% of the women experienced a feeling of hot or flushed as a symptom of an acute coronary syndrome, which is the fancy way of saying heart attack. Okay. So, so when you so just because we're going through menopause or menopause, there is menopause. <laughs> there yes. is. I know. I'm saying with a smile on my face, but, I, but uh, yes, I do. As a matter of fact, thank you for asking. <laughs> but, I haven't quite gotten there yet, but a part of me is looking forward to feeling warm instead of cold. <laughs> you know that about me. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take turns. The next one is dizziness. So, feeling dizzy is something that a lot of people can feel, um, but in a JAMA study, it said that approximately 24% of male patients and 27% of female patients report dizziness as one of the heart blockage-related symptoms they experienced. So that's something else. I mean, we feel dizziness for lots of reasons, but you can't do a real heart attack is a possibility. Just be attuned to the yeah, yeah that possibility, but so, not, not elevated you know, in, oh. in worrying because dizziness is very common. Yeah, but you just have to be aware that that could be a possibility. The third one is shortness of breath. If you're short of breath, when you bend over to tie your shoes or lift yourself off the couch, you definitely want to pay attention. In that same 2013 JAMA study, shortness of breath was the fourth most common symptom of acute coronary syndrome patients. Interesting. And then there's... Um, no, just, just you know, I can relate to bending over and trying to tie my shoe and be out of breath. You and Kyle talk about that a lot but on the radio. But for my case, it's more from lack of flexibility than it is from anything else. <laughs> I'm surprised there hasn't been some big intervention. We're going to have to solve that problem eventually. Yeah. Okay, the next one is back pain. And um, heart attacks can cause back pain. So that's important to know. Um and it, the scales are a little bit tipped. So 27% of men reported having back pain during heart attacks, but nearly 43% of women experience this system, this so symptom. Usually we think of chest pains, but in a lot of cases it's a back pain. So it can be manifest a, right, so you really in have to your be back. And the fifth one that we have is confusion. Though less common, disorientation is yet another possible indication of a heart attack. In, 20, in a 2018 study of 2009, 2009 heart attack patients, Published in the Journal of Circulation, approximately 12% of women and 11% of men told researchers that their heart attack manifested as confusion. So there you have it. Some some things that are fairly common in our lives that can also be indicators of heart attack. The brain gets fuzzy, so yeah. worry a little bit about that when that happens. Well, those are good. Those are good symptoms to know. Symptoms that you know can really be non-related to heart attack, but mm-hmm. um, nonetheless, so, and they're, and they're to be a easily little written aware off. of. I mean, yeah. you can easily write them off because they're not normally heart attack symptoms, but they can also be symptoms of heart attack. But you know, I think we have somebody in the studio with us that might be able to have 
voice in on this uh, concern a little bit. I think he's going to have a lot more knowledge than we have, especially in regard to this. So joining us in the studio today is Dr. Patrick Carroll. Dr. Carroll graduated from the Medical College of Wisconsin and is currently the medical director for Dixie State, excuse me, for Dixie Regional Medical Center. So what do you think of those uh, secret hidden symptoms, Dr. Carroll? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on. It's really great to be here. And I think they're they're really important to, to understand, really important to think about. Uh, we we know our own bodies, and sometimes when something just doesn't seem right, even if it's not one of the more common symptoms of a heart attack, something to not ignore, something to pay attention to, to reach out to your primary care provider, and make sure that make sure that everything is okay. I, well, I think that's great sound advice. Very sound advice indeed, and I think that's um, that leads us into talking about the medical field and. I think we're going to get into insurance and things. So today, today. We're, today we're going to talk about trends and 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 things in in med- in healthcare. Yes. Trends well, in I'm healthcare. just concerned along this thread that you know you should always go to the doctors when you have a symptom or a problem, but people tend not to because of maybe the cost associated or the inconvenience of going, and so or um, just plain stubbornness. Yes. That, that may speak to someone I know. Yes. yes. Not me. I do go. <laughs> so we're going to debunk some of these things today, right? And yeah. and uh, solve the problems of the world, it sounds like. So... No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So uh, first thing I want to talk about is, is there a shortage of physicians in the world today, or at least in the United States today, Dr. Carroll? Yeah. In the United States, there there's certainly a shortage of physicians, and that's particularly true in some areas. We're not unique here in St. George. We're very lucky in some areas to have to have the physicians that we do. And frankly, in a community the size of St. George, to have some of the subspecialties that exist here is is unusual. We have genetic, a geneticist here. We have a strong neurosurgical department at the at the hospital. We do. We have uh, very strong cardiovascular services. Speaking of heart attacks. And so there are some areas that are that are very robust, very well, even, strong. Even the emergency care facilities locally are very strong and, and robust. Absolutely. In fact, I was in a meeting earlier today in which we reviewed some of the data and some of the impact that is is being looked at and some of the initiatives that are being taken in our emergency department at Dixie Regional Medical Center. And the continuous improvement that that team is taking with the leadership of Jared Stevens, our nursing, nursing manager, and Dr. Brett Christensen in the emergency department, they're decreasing the the time from uh, the stroke time. If a patient is having a stroke and is identified in the emergency department, the time to get that patient treatment has steadily decreased at Dixie Regional Medical Center over the last several several months. And that's so that's so critical with the stroke. That's life saving. It is. Yes. Time is time is time is muscle. Time is life is often what we talk about. Yeah. And time is brain in the case of stroke. So what what is the answer? Is there is there something that we can? I mean, there's a shortage of medical professionals. That means there's shortage of people choosing to go into the medical profession. Well, and in particular, there's a shortage of primary care physicians. Uh-huh. So, you know, following medical school, each each physician has an opportunity to choose what specialty they'd like to go into, whether that's mm. a subspecialist, uh, subspecialty or whether that's primary care. And increasingly, physicians when they graduate medical school are choosing to go into some of the some of the surgical subspecialties, some of the the non-surgical subspecialties which leaves a shortage in in some of the primary care areas. So when I say primary care, think your family practice doctor, your, doctor, your internal medicine doctor, your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to identify, to find uh, physicians that are primary care in the area. What, what, and I want to know what you attribute that to, because I recently um, read a study that said that because of the high cost of medical school, 
a lot of doctors are picking these more specialized um, kind of uh, choices in in the healthcare industry because the rate of return to them will be greater because they accumulate so much debt. Yeah, that certainly is a is one aspect. Is that a of, factor? Absolutely, and I I won't go so far as to say it's the only factor. Every every person is is a bit different, but you're ri- absolutely right that the reimbursement rate for uh, physicians in primary care is generally lower than the reimbursement rate for some of the procedural-based uh, specialties. And it's not uncommon for, a, uh, for individuals to graduate medical school, for doctors to graduate medical school with $200,000, $300,000 of, of debt from medical school alone. Which is so much, so unfortunate. And then would you say another factor would be um, liability insurance? Uh, liability insurance doesn't necessarily predict which uh, specialty a person will go into at the time of medical school, but it but it's definitely something that has increased in a lot of ways. Um, every state has has different rules uh, surrounding um, what goes into the liability insurance, and we're very fortunate to live in in Utah where it's very patient centered, uh, but supportive of doing the right thing. Oh, that's great, and then and and you know. I don't know if there's anything we can do to change this trend, but hopefully there'll be more people that'll be interested in. I mean, I, as far as reimbursing my primary care physician, it feels like I pay them a lot as it is when I go in there for my co-pays and we have a high deductible plan. So we're, we're paying a lot, but I understand that that's not as much as the specialists are getting, but hopefully we'll be able to come as a, come to a point in society where things are a little bit more egal, equal, and, and, and things can balance out so we get more primary care physicians to cover the basics of Healthcare for our for our population. Yeah, and Jeff, you're not you're not alone in feeling that way. Over the last 10, 15, 20 years, there there has certainly been a trend in in health insurance and in health insurance copays in premiums. And as an individual, what we feel most directly is how much out of pocket are we paying when we go to the doctor? How much out of pocket mm-hmm. are we paying when we go to the pharmacy and pick up that medication? Right. And although the costs have increased the cost to us directly has increased in part because of the the different insurance products and the different uh, right. the different insurances that we that we have high deductible healthcare plans are are extremely common that's been an important tool to help rein in some of the costs of of healthcare in general but that's also led in, to in, in catastrophic healthcare in catastrophic healthcare and also in uh, in non-catastrophic healthcare so the the vision behind a high deductible healthcare plan is it it puts me as a as a patient in the driver's seat to look out do some price shopping find right. out which pharmacy can provide the medication for for the least and transparency becomes important mm-hmm. in that as we as we participate as patients in that you know but as a, as a consumer I just don't know that I want the cheapest doctor out there looking at me that's that's so how, exactly how much do you right. charge for, for a home for a visit how much do you charge for a visit oh you're, you're $20 as well come see you <laughs> but it's also the reason that our insurance rate has have really skyrocketed and so you know I think there's probably not one great solution but that is um something that helps uh maybe balance cost and and make um make competitors more competitive, you know, in their fees and their rates. That's right. And increasingly what we are seeing and what we'll see more of over the over the ensuing years is that price transparency. Historically and even now it's very difficult to know what the it cost is. of a what the cost of a procedure is. Until you get the, the cost, bill. Until you get the bill. 
and and that's something that that nationwide uh, healthcare mm-hmm. is looking at is providing that transparency so that people are are aware. And you're certainly right. We don't want we don't necessarily want the lowest the lowest cost care. And at Intermountain Healthcare and Dixie Regional Medical Center, the goal is to provide high quality care to every single patient. And when they present to us in the emergency department through the doors of the hospital, uh, via referral from their doctor, the goal is to provide them with the highest quality of care and to help them live the healthiest life possible. We are indeed spoiled here because of the quality, I mean, award-winning care here in in Utah because of the the likes of Intermountain Healthcare and other providers here. But hopefully everybody else out there in the country who might be listening to this has that same blessing in their community as well. I mean, we just can only hope. Absolutely. And that's something that we, we continuously strive for. We're, we're very, very lucky to have a very strong leadership team. Mitch mm-hmm. Cloward, the administrator of the hospital, has a very clear vision of providing excellent care and being being mm-hmm. a leader um, throughout the state and throughout the nation. We recently um, learned that through a U.S. News & World Report, we were the fourth-ranked hospital in the entire state of Utah. So among all the hospitals in, in the state of Utah, uh, number four. So, you know, the residents of St. George, the residents of Washington County, Mm-hmm. They can be extremely, extremely proud yeah, of they can. of the care they're able to receive. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. And we're talking with Dr. Patrick Carroll, who is the um, the director of medicine at Dixie Regional Medical Center. And you're listening on AM 1450, St. George News Radio. And we're talking about trends in healthcare. Something you you kind of hit on earlier, Dr. Carroll, that I'd like to go back to a little bit is being the the, the master of my own ship. I mean, I'm, I'm responsible for my own health. And my own well-being and my own health care. So uh, you're seeing trends of that in, in medicine these days where people are actually taking charge and, and actually trying to be the masters of their own ship? Yes, absolutely. I think it's a, a great question and, and certainly a nice lead into to one of the things that, uh, that Dixie Regional Medical Center was one of the leaders throughout the state of Utah, and that is the Live Well Center that exists mm-hmm. at, the, at the hospital. You know, often we think about health care, and we have to separate that out a little bit. Are we talking about health care, or are we talking about illness care? Right. And health care, I think, is exactly what you're talking about. It's identifying problems early, doing things that will be preventive. Right. Uh, the Huntsman World Senior Games is a, a phenomenal example of that, of really embracing embracing the act of life and right. embracing um, healthy choices. Um at all, at all ages. So yes. that partnership, I think, is extremely valuable. And once again, very lucky in St. George and in the community to to have that that influence and um, and see the the great work that's happening. So, as a physician, are you seeing individuals choosing behaviors? Are you seeing trends of individuals choosing behaviors going to be better for them in the long run, health wise, than than the the less productive behaviors? As just as an example, like smoking. Yeah, absolutely. Smoking is a great, a great example. You know, in 2018, the Utah Depart- Department of Health re- released some data looking at specifically at adolescent health trends. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that they noted was that secondhand smoke rates from 2013 to 2017 had steadily decreased. So in 2013, 23% of adolescents were exposed to secondhand smoke. So that's nearly one in four. And that can have significant wow, that is a lot. significant impact on, on our long-term health. Mm-hmm. In 2017, that rate had decreased to 17.4%. So still seven, you know, nearly, nearly one in five, mm-hmm. but, a, but a really nice trend and a really nice decrease. So what we're seeing is we're seeing, in order for that to happen, that the parents in the household are smoking less 
and subsequently their children, the adolescents, are being exposed to secondhand smoke. And less likely to maybe pick up the habit themselves. Absolutely. So we're seeing some really, really nice trends in uh, in smoking mm-hmm. and secondhand smoke. You know, there there's some other concerns that that we look at concurrently. They they reported the use of vaping in adolescent right. children, oh. and I think you know you don't have to look too far and um, to recognize that that's been a trend that's been on the oh, increase. Yeah. And as recently as 2017, approximately one in ten adolescents had experienced or was currently currently vaping. Mm. And that's a that's a concern on a number of levels. And just in the last month or two, there have been additional res, uh, results uh, noted throughout the country on some permanent lung damage that appears to be a direct result of vaping behavior. It's been in the news recently that there were like five people in the state of Utah that were hospitalized because of lung deterioration due to vaping. Yeah, it's you know it's heartbreaking. One of my classmates from from residency. Uh, recently noted that one of her one of her own patients now has permanent lung disease wow. as a result of this. So it's not something just in the news. It's not something you know. It hits close to home. And uh, is the data finding that vaping will be as detrimental or even more than smoking, or do we not know that yet? Well, I don't think we know it yet. It's relatively new, and um, and so we don't have the decades worth of of experience and decades worth of data that we do with smoking. So it'll be something that will be important from a public health standpoint to continue to follow. But Jeff, your your question initially was exactly the right question and exactly the right focus, and that is focusing on those on those healthy behaviors. There's so much that we do know about about things we can do to impact our long term health. Simple mm-hmm. things like exercise, diet, um, attitude. Yes. Well, well and, and, go ahead. Oh, Cheryl. sorry, Jeff. I I really do um, want to say that the the Live Well Center, if you're not familiar with it, is this really extensive health promotion wellness type um, uh, integral piece that is a big part of Intermountain Healthcare. And I've been so impressed by that because I've lived different places and I haven't really seen that. My my background is in that, and um, I worked for a national bank back in the day, and we. Um, rated people and then deducted their health care rates based on um, some of these factors. Did they smoke? Were they physically active? Did they get enough sleep at night? And, you know, this was in the early 90s and it was very controversial. And now we know it's life-saving and it Absolutely. really can make a difference in what we promote a lot, living the active life right. and having a really great quality of life as you go on. Just And I love that a hospital is thinking more in terms it's of wellness. It's almost like they're trying to put themselves out of business, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more in terms of wellness than fixing, kind of. Yes. You know, that's that's exactly the model. I, I'm a neonatologist by, by training. And, you know, we, we frequently joke in the neonatal intensive care unit that we're doing all we can to put ourselves out of business. We We'd yes. like to get. We'd like to eliminate prematurity. We'd like mom, moms to be able to stay mm-hmm. pregnant and not deliver premature babies and not require a NICU stay. And mm-hmm. as neonatologists, we'd be happy to find another job somewhere else if there was not a need for us medically. And if I may just say on a personal note, I'm very grateful for the uh, NICU because I have a great granddaughter that's in the NICU here at Dixie Regional right now. So I'm very grateful for the work that they do when it's needed. Well, thank you very much. We're we feel honored to, to be able to take care of every patient that comes through the NICU. The, it, it's really a, an honor for us. Yeah. 
So getting back to the this, what are, I mean, we talked about. We we've, are there things besides just the regular exercise, the diet? I mean, I guess that's not the question I want to ask. Is it doesn't take a lot of exercise. It just takes a few minutes a day to make a difference, does it not? Absolutely. S- similar to smoking, stopping smoking even for a couple of days, you can have immediate uh, some immediate improvements in addition to long term long term improvements. With the exercise, those those few minutes can make a very big difference. And it doesn't need to take one, two, three hours a day, mm-hmm. five, ten minutes doing different exercise uh, exercises at your desk, and um, or just getting up and walking occasionally. Absolutely. I mean, we joke about in our office that I tend to be more sedentary than some of the other folks in our office. And Michelle's Jeff laughing. can hear me all day long because of the volume I of could. my voice. And I sometimes, Jeff will pass late in the day. And I thought, I think to myself, has he been here all day? I didn't even know he was here. Because you don't leave that room, do you? Well, I do, but, but only when I need to, because I'm old school. I mean, back when I was, I'm, I'm, an, old, I'm an old person, I'll admit that. But back when I was learning the trade and, and the business world, you be at your desk unless you have a reason not to be at your desk. I mean, that was that was the rule of thumb. You, you're at your desk unless you have a business reason not to be at your desk. But now the, now the common wisdom has changed where it's like you need to get up and move from your desk so you can be at your desk longer and live longer. Yeah. Right. Some of that physical activity that you get by standing up, moving around, in addition to the physical activity, the social interactions, standing up, talking to a, talking to a coworker for a few minutes, mm-hmm. um, stepping away from social media, uh, making those real, real interpersonal connections mm-hmm. can make a big difference. They really can. We could have a whole show about that, I feel like. Well, we, we probably will. <laughs> we'll have to do that one of these times. Well, let's lead into um, life expectancy rates, I think. that's. We, we've, in, we've got about uh, four minutes left, so we can... Can we quickly. address that Absolutely. topic really quick? Absolutely. So life expectancy rates, you know, we, uh, we've seen those increase um, over the last several decades. And I, I remember as I was growing up hearing... 72, 73 years old is kind of an average life expectancy rate. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that, that that's no longer the case. The life nope. expectancy has increased. And nowadays for a person that is um, a person that's born today in St. George has life expectancy of over 81 years. Wow. And that includes all, all people from birth. When you start looking at the life expectancy rates when somebody is 40 years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, their life expectancy goes goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so we are living a bit longer. Over the last several years, that seems to have plateaued, however. And there's there's some uh, some discussion that, that it may start to decrease because of these lifestyle uh, choices and because of some of these behaviors that uh, that we that we choose. The self-destructive type behaviors. That's right. Yeah. Or diet. I mean, there's probably well, that, a lot well, that's of... That's self-destructive behavior. Eating badly is a self-destructive <laughs> behavior. You may not think of it that way, but it is. It's a behavior. It's a choice. It's a behavioral pattern, and it's a self-destructive. So we've got about a minute and a half left. So before we need to, to say goodbye to Dr. Carroll, but Dr. Carroll, what would you say to somebody who's listening to this show and is maybe not as active as they should be or sitting on the couch? What would you say to them to maybe get them motivated to get off the couch and get active and, and make some proactive choices? Yeah, great, great question. I would say take a step back and find out what your why is. What, what is the reason that you want to do these things? Is there something that you're, do you want to, to live to enjoy time with your grandkids? Do you want to travel the world when you're, when you're retired? Do you want to have an active lifestyle? And take things one step at a time. You don't need to make uh, dramatic changes all at once. Mm. Uh, making a choice to, to spend five minutes doing exercise that you're not currently doing, that's a victory. 
and one step at a time, and you can do it. And then making the choice to repeat it is a victory. Absolutely. Because it, it is a choice you have to make every single day. At, at our office, we have a health and wellness plan, and it's con- and the, re- the reward is from the consistency of, of doing it, not just doing it once, but doing it consistently. And so that's the choice. You have to choose to do it consistently to get the benefits from it. That's right. And the consistency over time is more important than one or two single times for a long period. That's right. Well, Dr. Carroll, thank you so much. We'd like to have you back again if that's okay with you. Well, there's so many topics that we just barely brushed the surface of that we could probably spend a lot of time on. If, if you'd like to come back, we'd like to have Absolutely. you back. Absolutely. Well, we'll get you back on the show then, Michelle. How? Wow, we learned a lot. Well, we did take in a lot, and I agree. You know, one thing's for sure, medical advancement has helped us live longer, and but we also need to be responsible for ourselves. And uh, it's it's a great thing. It's it it's is. great to see so many senior athletes. So tell us about the Huntsman World Senior right. Games. Well, we want to, first of all, remind everybody to join us each and every Thursday at 5.30 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life on St. George News Radio, 1450 AM. You can also listen to this or any past show on www.seniorgames.net. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life on in Google Store, excuse me, Google, Google Play or the iTunes Store, and subscribe. And Michelle, believe it or not, cl- registration closed on September first. But right now we have over ten thousand five hundred people who, excuse me, ten thousand one hundred fifty people who've already signed up for the games. That's looking pretty good. It is. We're also way ahead of last year's schedule. We're on pace for maybe 11,000 to three hundred. So we're going to have a big year. So if you want to register, just go to seniorgames.net. And click on register. Our quote for the day is, there are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. So until next time, stay active, everyone. Bye-bye.